Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. Joined today by the full crew once again, Mike McDaniel, out from the depths of careerism and fatherhood and being on 15 different podcasts and all of it. His hair's looking a little wild. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm like three and a half months overdue for a haircut. <laughs> it's for those of you that have met Mike before. I, I don't even know if you could imagine this. It's just like a miniature afro, essentially, is that he's rocking. Pretty much. Hey, more power to you, man. New dad look. Oh, yeah. You don't care what people think about you. Hey, nope. just wear a hat, bro. That's pretty much what I've been doing. Yeah. Quite honestly, that's been it. It's been the move. <laughs> Rick, how you doing, Doug? Um, feeling a little under the weather uh for today's podcast hoping that uh, all clears up by uh thursday considering i am planning on being in the press box at lane stadium uh for those of you who are freaking out no i don't have covid uh just a allergies head cold type deal so hopefully we'll be uh all set by thursday take that vitamin c rick and if you Dude. need vitamin C and you happen to live in Blacksburg, I know where you'd have to go get it. <laughs> Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Pharmacy, you want to go there if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number. Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. I can guarantee that Jeremy has emergency at the at the uh the pharmacy because that's what i've been chugging emergency's elite it really is. yes that is a great great adjective elite well do you know who's not elite the virginia tech offense well, oh. i was gonna say wofford well, certainly not wofford <laughs> yeah they're bad they're bad <laughs> wofford Dear God. You know, it, it's a shame because like wofford's like like w- we all talk about how bad like the the transition has been for Jeff Collins at Georgia tech and how he's had to completely like remake that program. Imagine doing that for an FCS team. Cause that's what Wofford's doing right now. Trying. Yeah. Trying. Well, it wasn't a particularly close game, but it was probably closer than the game should have been given like just the caliber of Wofford. I mean, it's hard Wofford's got to be one of the worst teams Virginia Tech has played in decades. A long time, yeah, yeah like, really long time. Yeah, like the game wasn't the game wasn't close. Like in the actual scheme of things, on the scoreboard, it wasn't like a blowout either. But if you're actually watching the game, like there was at no point where you know that there were there were times against Furman, obviously, or times even against like. Where, where in the past we've been like, okay, well, this is kind of teetering on the brink here. Like this could go either way. Um, and obviously tech trailed Furman at one point, but you know, the tech never trailed Wofford. It never felt like Wofford was even going to become remotely close to winning this game, but Virginia tech just kind of let him hang around for, for the rest of the game. And, and I think that that's what's got, you know, some folks a little, uh, a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, Ricky. I mean, I think it's been since 2018, William and Mary, that Tech has had kind of a stomachache game, at least, in every FCS matchup that has followed. Yeah. They were losing to Furman at halftime, and then, I mean, obviously they didn't play an FCS opponent in 2020, 
but both the second FCS game of 2019, that being Rhode Island, and then Richmond kind of had a similar feel in 2021 where Virginia Tech was winning. But you felt like at any moment, you know, a ball bounces here, a ball bounces there, and suddenly you're in a real matchup. That was never the case. But Richmond, Rhode Island, Furman were all at least like respectable FCS opponents, like FCS playoff caliber teams, you know, where if you're an FBS team that is not that good, you should, I mean, it's not incredibly surprising that, you know, the team could hang in there. I think a bunch of those teams had future pros somewhere along the roster. It's not the case with Wofford. And it's yeah, so- I'm, it, it took a while for Tech to get things going offensively. I mean, they made Wofford look incompetent offensively as well, but that just doesn't seem very hard. It just wasn't, there's only so many ways the game could go. There's only one way the game could go where you feel better than you did going in. And that's like a 70 nothing route where the foot never comes out the gas. And maybe that's a lot to ask, but you know, it's kind of a meh win. If you know what I mean? I think it's a lot to ask for out of this offense. Like this just confirms like, you know, fans have been concerned about the offense and I think all of the concerns are warranted and Virginia tech's offense, you know, by several different statistics is, you know, one of the worst offenses in the power five right now, but like, I don't think it's, schematics right like i think the scheme's fine like i think tyler bowen is is calling plays that in theory should work but i mean virginia tech's offense is just not in a position right now from a continuity standpoint to really execute at a high enough level to score like 35 or 40 points a game even against a team like wofford and you know that's a problem but this game was never really competitive, right? I mean, Virginia Tech had the two really good possessions before halftime offensively to, you know, make it a 20 and nothing game going into the break and then coming out into the second half. I think a lot of folks were hoping that Virginia Tech would, I don't know, score a couple touchdowns in the third quarter and, you know, make this like, you know, 34 they, nothing in the third. You they know? were certainly hoping that Tech wouldn't get shut out in the third quarter. Right. And, you know, they come out and it's like a, a three and out and then, you know, another very short drive right after that. I'm not sure if that was a second three and out on that second drive of the second half, but like two punts to open the, open the half. And again, like you were never really concerned about Wofford um, in terms of like them threatening at any point in time. But at the same time, like you want tech to like gain separation offensively and Unfortunately, I, I'm not sure they're in a position where they're going to be able to do that this year. And that's why I think there's a defined cap and, and you know, a defined ceiling on, on this team in terms of what's it going to look like, you know, as Tech gets into the bulk of their conference schedule. Now, the one thing I will say is that the defense has been really good. The defense has looked as good as I, I think all of us would have hoped for. It's again, looked better than I had thought it would. Absolutely. And and the thing too is like, I see a lot of fans are like, oh, well, consider the opponent. It's it's ODU. Oh, it's BC with their offensive line issues. Oh, it's Wofford. But like, we're also on the on the other side of the coin, you know, complaining the offense is doing what they're supposed to do against those three teams, right? So if you're going to have it one way, you, you got to kind of be consistent with the other. And, you know, the Virginia Tech defense has been really, really, really good. And Virginia Tech's offense has not been as good. And I think that's pretty much what we thought coming into the year. But Ricky, like you just said, I think the defense has looked even better than I thought. Yeah, the defense is going to ultimately determine how many games this team wins this year. Um, I mean, Tech's defense played as about as well as you could ask for against Wofford. I know that Wofford got their first points of the season, but that was against Tech's backups. And I'm not all that worried about that. Wofford didn't move across the 50 yard line until like the fourth quarter so as bad as Wofford is supposed to be offensively Virginia Tech did exactly what they were supposed to do defensively against that team that is the exact kind of performance that you would hope 
for from a defense against a program like Wofford and a team that's transitioning into kind of a pro spread attack and does not have the requisite talent or athletes to fit what they're trying to do. If you're worried about Virginia Tech giving up a meaningless fourth quarter touchdown in a game they were winning by four scores against an FCS school, you're worried about the wrong stuff, especially after watching how Tech's defense has played over the course of, of the first three weeks and how Tech's offense has played over the first three weeks. Like if you're worried that Wofford scored their first points of the season in a four touchdown game, like I understand we all want the shutout, but if that's like a legitimate concern for you, I, I think you're worried about the wrong thing. Like we should be worried about the offense not separating. We should be worried about the running you know, game. The running that is game. The biggest problem right now on offense, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Worry about the running game. Um Grant Wells, I thought, played pretty well on Saturday, but you know, how's that going to look week over week against better competition? You know, that's a legitimate concern. So I think the worries and concerns should be on the offensive side of the ball right now, not the defensive side, until they give us reason to be be concerned because Dax Hollyfield, guys, he's playing like an all-ACC linebacker. <laughs> like, C.J. McRae looked really freaking good on Saturday. Like, Tech had some, had some really good stuff going defensively, and they did have some good stuff going offensively, too. It just wasn't consistent enough. Yeah, I mean, you look at Tech's defense, right? And like you said, Mike, you look at all these major categories, and yeah, Tech is top five in a lot of stuff. Now, you can go ahead and say, well, that's not real. Look at the opponents that they've played. Sure. But it's about as good as you could possibly ask for. Like, to say that they are good is not to necessarily indicate that they're going to – I mean, look, through three games, Virginia Tech's defense, their starting defense, at least, has allowed two offensive touchdowns. End of the game at Old Dominion, and they let Boston College score one. That's it. Yeah, I mean, what what more would would anyone be able to realistically expect from this defense yeah. through the first three games? Like, what right. more would they need to do in order to alleviate any concerns on that side of the ball? I don't know that there's anything else they can do. Yeah, well, I mean, is it necessarily indicative that Virginia Tech is going to remain a top five defense no. nationally no. all year? No, no they're probably not. Because, yes, these teams that they've been playing have been very poor, offensively at least. But, but is the defense going to keep them in games and, and, and give them a chance to win? Yes. Yes. Yeah, more often right. than not. That's the question that matters. Can right. the defense make up for the shortcomings of the offense in a way that could possibly get Virginia Tech to a 6-8 to eight win season? Because here's That's the, the question too. of the year. Because here's <laughs> Yeah, well, because here's the thing too, right? Like, Virginia Tech's defense – just needs to put the offense in short field situations, right? Because Virginia Tech's offense has been struggling with consistency, right? But they're not so terrible that they can't score with a short field. Like, that's not something I've seen in, in the first three games where I'm like, this team's never going to get in the end zone. Like, this offense isn't that bad, right? I know statistically that there have been some problems, um, you know, yards per play and that sort of thing. But like, I haven't watched Virginia Tech's offense and think like, oh my God, there's no hope for this unit. Like, I, I don't get that vibe. There's talent there. There's lack of consistency on third down. That's a problem. There's lack of consistency in the running game. Now, I know there have been issues, you know, with injuries. You know, Keyshawn King missed the Wofford game. Malachi Thomas hasn't been healthy yet this year. And he's, he's a long shot for Thursday, it sounds like, according to Brent Pry. You know, Jalen Holston has probably had to be relied upon a little bit more heavily than I think a lot of Virginia Tech fans would like. So, I mean, the running game is certainly an issue, but it hasn't been healthy either. I do think there there's hope for this unit. Like the receiving core is trying to get healthy. You know, Caleb Smith, uh, I, I know he left the game against Wofford, but it sounds like he's going to be able to play against West Virginia. Jaden Blue was nicked up in camp and he just played his best game. It, you know, came out afterwards and said, Yeah, I'm close to 100% healthy. So, I mean, there's reason for optimism with the Virginia Tech offense, especially if Grant Wells isn't turning the football over. But at the same time, like the defense, all that all it needs to do is keep the Hokies in games. I think it's more than capable of doing that. I'm not calling the Virginia Tech defense like 2021 Georgia or something. I, I'm just saying this, this unit is good enough 
to keep Tech hang, hanging around in ACC play, which is going to be extremely important when they face some pretty high-powered offenses in the month of October. I will say I'm pretty worried about this offense. Um, I know that they haven't had the health that running back that you would that you would like to see and that the coaching staff would want, but the offensive line has been healthy. Yeah, and and, and they're they're just not generating the push <clears throat> up front that's going to be necessary to be able to move the football on the ground. I mean, Tech had uh, this is in my column that should be coming out tomorrow, which is when this podcast should be coming out. Um, that first drive, Tech had what was it, thirteen plays, fifty five yards down just in front of the red zone. They get a third and five and they have a four-yard run, and then they get a one-yard loss on fourth and one because they can't move the ball one yard against a, an FCS opponent. Um, as soon as the second half started, those drives, start, those drives stalled out because Virginia Tech wasn't getting those runs on first and second down that get you into good third and manageable situations. Uh, David Hale from ESPN tweeted out earlier today, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So about to grab that. Yep. Yeah. Tech has had 30 designed runs <clears throat> that have been stopped for a loss or no gain so far, which is the most by any power five football team. That's a problem. And I, so, and I'm not going to, that's a big problem. I'm not going to dismiss that because Keyshawn King didn't play against Wofford and because Malachi Thomas is hurt. To me, that's on the offensive line. You look at pro football focus, the offensive line's got terrible run block grades across the board. Like, and these are three pro football the- focus. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had I had to go. You know, you know on that one. That that's uh, <laughs> that's a deep cut joke for the folks at home. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean pro football focus reflects it. I mean, here's the reality, right? You're Virginia Tech, and you know the limitations that you have at quarterback. Uh, Grant Wells is a good arm, got a lot of zip. Uh, Decision-making throughout his career at times has been poor. I don't think it's ideal to stick him in a situation where he's constantly in third and seven, third and eight, third and nine with receivers who have yet to prove themselves capable of generate generating separation, Agreed. You know, meaningful separation across the board, because you're putting a bunch of guys making medium to deep throws in what's going to be tight coverage, and he's not a great decision maker. Now you get to third and four, and that opens things up. It does. Well, it 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 opens things up because you don't necessarily. You know, if you're third and four and you're in favorable field position, you might have more than one play there, right? Like, yes. and and here's the thing: like, thirty design runs going for no gain or a loss, worse than the power five. Like, Tech needs to clean that up internally, right? They got to clean that up with the interior offensive line, especially that has not played very well. Um, Virginia Tech's had issues across the board. The entire offensive line has has bad run blocking grades, like you mentioned, Andrew. Like there are some obvious issues with the running game. And I, I think, you know, Virginia Tech coming into the year, you know, th- there was a path for the Hokies to be competitive. It was to field a really, really good defense, which is what they're doing, and to run the football well and take it out of Grant Wells's hands so that he doesn't have to do everything, right? So he doesn't have to throw the ball like 35 times and throw four interceptions like against Old Dominion. The Hokies are doing half of that right now. They're playing really good defense. They are not running the football well, um, at least not consistently enough. And I think getting some of the the running backs back healthy will help a little bit, but a lot of it is going to fall on the offensive line, which, you know, everybody, and and I saw that I saw some tweets on, on social media talking about Joe Rudolph. And I have said this on this podcast, like, a and couple weeks, three ago. weeks, and he's and not one. He's not a miracle, and, and he's not a miracle worker. He's a really good offensive line coach. He is not a miracle worker. The, he here's where the concern is, right, with the offense, because like I said, better offenses are to come. You're facing the best offense that you faced all year this week, and it seems like for the better part of the next few weeks, 
that statement will continue to be true. Like the offenses are going to get better and better over time. Yep. So obviously the challenges there are ahead. But what this team has not been faced with yet is a situation where they really had to try to come back. I mean, I guess they did at the end of Old Dominion with like Hail Mary time, and that didn't work out. But I mean, Boston College, the game falls into Virginia Tech's hands or into the exact type of game that they want to play, which is they jump out to a 10 nothing lead. And you're in a more ball control type offense. But I mean, just imagine, and like, God willing, it won't. But the circumstances of last year's West Virginia game, where Virginia Tech immediately goes down big and they have to claw their way back into that game. I just don't see this offense as the kind of offense that can play catch up. No. No. They can't. And for as good as the defense is, like they're not forcing a ton of turnovers right now either. Um, I. They didn't force any against Whopper. They had one against Boston College. I can't remember. Did they force any against Old Dominion? I'm not sure they did. Um, I'd have to go back and look. Point being, this defense is not forcing a lot of turnovers right now, right? I know there is, you know, turnover luck, right? Some of it is Pretty luck. Pretty sure they had a couple fumbles, fumble recoveries against ODU. Right. So, okay. So, even but so. But Aiden Wolf was so inaccurate that, you know, he, he might as well have thrown a couple – Six. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so Wolf was pretty bad. It was bad. So, so even so, like e- even if you know Tech did recover a couple fumbles against Old Dominion, I have to go back and look. Um, they they turned Feldrakovic over once in the BC game, and they don't turn Wofford over at all. Averaging just one turnover a game defensively is not going to get the job done in ACC play against some of the offenses they're going to face, right? Um, I get that's added pressure on the defense, but the defense is going to have to carry this team in a lot of respects this year. And it's going to start Thursday night because like, here's the thing about West Virginia. They are bad, right? They're bad. Isn't like a a team, but they're not, it's not from lack of talent. Like they have talent. They have really good team speed. I think tech was overwhelmed in the game last September um, against West Virginia and Morgantown early in that game because West Virginia was so fast offensively, so fast defensively. It took a while for Virginia tech to adjust. I think Tech will need to come out playing fast on Thursday night to really match the team speed of West Virginia. Um, this team is gettable, right? West Virginia is certainly gettable, but Tech's going to have to put themselves in position to be successful, both offensively and defensively. They got to run the football well. You know, if you're concerned about dealing with West Virginia's team speed on offense, a good way to keep them off the field is by sustaining drives with the running game, which is something Virginia Tech has not done successfully enough this year at all. Thursday night would be a really good place to start doing that. West Virginia has allowed 93 points against their two FBS opponents so far. Kansas is legit. Hey, Kansas Kansas is legit. legit. And well, you know they gave up 38 in the backyard brawl, <clears throat> and then 55 in an overtime loss to Kansas. So the, this defense is is certainly gettable, as Mike said. I mean, if there was ever an opportunity for Virginia Tech to get right, I mean, you would think that this is it. I know West Virginia is going to have more talent defensively than than Wofford. But um, you can have talent and still not be able to get stops. And West Virginia has certainly shown that they struggle to get stops. Um, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna take much into account for their 65 to seven win over Towson. <clears throat> that doesn't really mean much to me. So, uh, it, it, as much as this defense can give up points, West Virginia can score, and I think this is definitely going to be the biggest test defensively for Virginia Tech, like you mentioned, Andrew. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that it's going to get much easier. Yeah, well, like, kind of going back to Wofford, I guess, what sort of concerns me is going into that game when you're looking for reasons to want to watch the Wofford game, right? And outside of just going to tailgate or something like that. (laughs) But in my mind, what the Wofford game would look like in, in the perfect world going into the game was Virginia Tech was going to be able to show you, you know, what they want their offensive identity to look like, right? 
Like this is what Virginia Tech's offense would look like in a perfect world if we had all the talent we needed because there is going to be that talent gap between whoever Virginia Tech's throwing out there and Wofford, obviously. And what I think became clear throughout the course of the game is I don't think Virginia Tech necessarily knows, uh, you know, who they want to be offensively. And of course, you have a, you know, a first-year offensive coordinator, at least a first-year play caller in Tyler Bowen and a first-year head coach in Brent Pry, and they're just playing with the hand they've been dealt here, which in terms of pure talent, like there's good football players and there's guys who are capable and, you know, belong on Division One rosters, but no one has that it factor on the entire team. Like King, King can have it. We've seen King so far show flashes and unsurprisingly, I mean, like you go back, he was the only one of these guys that was a four-star recruit and he's been in the ACC playing football for what is now four years. I think that almost the sense that you got watching the end of that Whopper game as you know, they keep the starting group in some formation out there for quite some time is the staff was just out there throwing the ball, you know, see who can catch it. I don't think they necessarily know, you know, who their top receivers are. And I think they're really trying to differentiate like where that chemistry can be built. Who are those rotational third and fourth wide receivers? It still had the feeling of something of an open tryout in the second half. And I don't think anyone performed exceedingly well, but I mean, you know, Jalen Jones got some action. Christian Moss got some action. I was going to say, I'm pretty encouraged by Christian Moss. He seems like he's got, he's got like the tools to be, you know, kind of a, a number, like a reliable number two guy. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty fast. He's got, seems like he, he, you know, catches the ball well. He he doesn't really try and catch it with his body. I like when receivers use their hands to catch football. That's an underrated underrated skill. Um, and I was impressed with Jaden Blue. And you know, you, you have to hope that you know maybe Tyler Bowen saw this game against Wofford as an opportunity to kind of air it out a little bit and see what they could figure out in the pass game. I mean, Grant Wells threw thirty five passes he hasn't even come close to that number if I remember correctly in either of the other two games and Virginia tech came out early running the football or excuse me, throwing the football. It was, it was something that they were committed to as soon as they, as soon as they kicked it off. So maybe that's going to be something that becomes more of the norm. Maybe we're going to see Virginia tech try to move the ball through the air more and more uh, considering the, the offensive has struggled to run the football so much. I mean, and, and Wells is Wells is capable of pushing the ball down the field. Like, there's no question about it. Um, but he's got to got to take care of it. Got to take care of it. The receivers got to gain separation. That's one thing to gain separation against Wofford. It's another thing to gain separation against a team like West Virginia, which again, not a great defense, but they're going to be better than Wofford. <laughs> so, you know, it was great to see guys like Christian Moss and Jaden Blue get into the mix on Saturday. But things are going to be a little bit tougher Thursday night. And, you know, I, I do think that if you're going to play Grant Wells, I think in the passing game, you got to let him throw it down the field. Not this dink and dunk game manager stuff. If you want to do that, have Jason Brown be the starter, right? But here's the thing. A lot of, a lot of fans, especially after game one and then just kind of like a mediocre game two where he didn't really turn the ball over. A lot of people were calling for Jason Brown. Here's the thing. Brent Pry and his staff don't want to go away from Grant Wells, right? And Grant Wells had a really nice, really nice game against Wofford. They don't want to go away from Grant Wells. Jason Brown is gone after this year, right? He's gone. He's a graduate student, um, you know, with his like super senior COVID year that he's working with here. He's gone after this year. If you play him and you bench Grant Wells, you're sending a message that you're not going to be the quarterback here moving forward. So Grant, let's, let's play this out a little bit. Grant Wells hits the portal in the off season. Who's Virginia Tech's quarterback next year? Devin Farrell, Taj Bullock. Taj like, Bullock. It's Taj time, baby. Are we in a worse quarterback situation than, than, <laughs> we, than we were a year ago with, with Burmeister and Knox Cato? I mean, they would have to go back into the portal. They'd have to. to go get somebody. They'd have to. 
Absolutely, they would have to. So, you know, I wonder if Quincy Patterson's got any time left. I mean, bro, when you're not the starting quarterback at Temple, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, I know. Feel bad for Quincy in a lot of ways. I do too. I do too. But look, I mean, like, you know, we could talk poorly about Grant Wells. He's not sensational. I think that maybe a lot of people came into the season tricking themselves into thinking that he would be sensational for whatever reason. I never thought that was particularly realistic. Some folks came into the season trying to trick themselves that Jaden Blue was going to be this, like, this complete stud at receiver given what he did at Temple. And, you know, it it just hasn't hasn't come to fruition. Again, he had a good game against Wofford, and if he can build on that against West Virginia, then maybe we're looking at kind of a, you know, a late blooming here since he was, you know, a little banged up in camp, but Jaden Blue didn't really impress anyone in the spring, and then he, you know, gets hurt for preseason camp, and um, you know, is is kind of non-existent in Tech's first two games. So this is a, I think this is a big contest for Jaden Blue because it's really wide open right now, at receiver in terms of reps, and anyone who goes out there and shows the ability to to, to move the football is going to get looks and it could be Jaden blue. It could be Christian. It couldn't be uh, Christian Moss. It could be Jalen Jones. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think Jaden blue, you know, opens up the Wofford game for Jaden blue makes you think like, okay, maybe he was just hurt because I mean, through two games, you know, if that passed his prologue, he's a complete non-factor in the offense. Wofford starts to make you think, hey, maybe he's easing into this thing. Right. Which, at this point, Virginia Tech, any hope of depth, of options at the wide receiver position is welcome. Is a very good thing. Tech came into the year, especially in camp, like the coaches were touting Caleb Smith as, as the number one guy, like the number one receiver. And we've talked about this. He's been a career number three. So you're asking a lot of Caleb Smith, right? And, you know, like we've said, it doesn't mean he's incapable of doing it. It means that he's in a position where he's never been asked to do as much as he's being asked to do right now. And to his credit, when he's been healthy, Caleb Smith has been a, a, a difference maker. Oh, yeah. On, on the back end, to his credit. Oh yeah, for sure. And and he even, I mean, he, he had a couple of routes that he ran on Saturday against Wofford deep down the field where I was like, my God, um, especially the one where, um, where it actually got hurt on, he, he almost made an unbelievable catch on that play. You know, Wells, Wells missed him by like half a yard on like a 40 yard, a 40 yard deep post. Um, I mean, Caleb Smith's got some serious speed guys, like he can, he can move and he is a very consistent guy. Like, you know what you're going to get with Caleb Smith, but tech's looking for, we're, we're talking about wide receivers in the context of like game breakers, right. And guys who can like step up and give you, you know, five, six, seven catches a game. Like Caleb Smith, like, I think he's a good player, but he's never been that guy. And Tech really needs that guy in this offense, especially with the lack of a consistent running game, which we keep coming back to. Like, it's all the more important that some of these receivers step up and that Grant Wells takes care of the football and just starts slinging it all over the field. Because I think the coaching staff's finding out quickly that, like, this offensive line, like, there's probably a limit. And, you know, they'll never say this publicly, but I think they're probably aware there's a limit to how good this running game can be this year, right? like considering the play of the offensive line. So with that in mind, maybe you just play to the strengths of, okay, we got a gunslinger, a quarterback, and we got some speed at receiver, um, albeit unproven. Like, let's go out and push the ball down the field a little bit. And saw that against Wofford. Will that continue to be the case moving forward? We'll see. But I think Tech used the Wofford game to start working on some stuff. All right, Mike, looking ahead to West Virginia, kind of what are your thoughts here? I mean, Tech opens as a two-point dog at home. Frankly, I thought that would be somewhere between 
four and seven going into the game. So Vegas a little bit higher on the Hokies than I was right out the bat. Kind of what are your initial thoughts here? Well, I mean, West Virginia's offense, pretty explosive. JT Daniels, we know the story with him. USC to Georgia, now found a home at West Virginia. Um, he's thrown for almost 800 yards already this year, six touchdowns, couple interceptions. Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, had his like coming out party against Pittsburgh. And then, you know, he had the ball go off his face mask, get intercepted and run back for a touchdown, kind of undid all the really good stuff he did in the backyard brawl. He's a really talented receiver. Um, CJ Donaldson, uh, tough to bring down. <laughs> like he runs big and Pitt had a lot of problems with him. If Virginia Tech doesn't come with their chin straps <laughs> strapped up tight, they're going to have some issues with him too. Um, this is a this is a decent West Virginia offense. So, you know, I think if Virginia Tech is able to to keep West Virginia under 20 points, I think Tech's going to have a good chance to win the game. I think if they let West Virginia kind of dictate the pace in this game and let them kind of get out early on the scoreboard and Virginia Tech is kind of in positions now where, oh my God, we have to throw the ball 45 or 50 times. I think Tech's in a really, really bad spot. So this is going to be all about the Hokies kind of establishing their offense at home in front of their fans and for the defense to play well from the start because you guys will remember that game in Morgantown last year. That was not the case in the first half. Defense didn't play well. Offense played okay, but there were a couple bad turnovers, and then Tech dug themselves into a pretty big hole pretty quickly. That cannot happen this year. That can't happen um, because Virginia Tech's offense had its issues last year, but there are plenty of holes on this offense this year that, you know, while Tech might be stronger at quarterback, they're, they're weaker in a lot of other areas, especially up front. So you absolutely need to find a way to keep West Virginia's offense at bay early in this game and let your own offense ease your way into the game. Ideally, you'd like the tech offense to start fast. It hasn't been something that's occurred on a regular basis through three games. Um, you know, BC, the reason why the tech offense started fast is because the defense forced a turnover on the first drive of the game. So maybe do that right and give yourself a short field and some early momentum at home this is this is a beatable team i don't think i don't think west virginia is particularly good i think they're gonna have trouble making a bowl game this year but that doesn't mean they're not talented um, they, they do have plenty of talent on the offensive side even while their defense has certainly struggled through the first you know couple games of the year against fbs competition this game's really important for neil brown like yeah he's he, he took it on the chin when they lost to Pitt, and, and deservedly so, because he's been there for a few years now, and they just have not developed into even what Dana Holgerson had him at when he was at West Virginia. Um, so this is a really important game for Neil Brown. He's already at one and two, just lost to Kansas, um, and I just had their schedule pulled up, but um, – so, so after this, West Virginia gets to face Texas on the road, and then they get Baylor. So, like, Enjoy there, that. Are some, there are some big games coming up for the Mountaineers. Enjoy um, that. And That's it's the not easiest like it game gets, they got. Yeah, it's not like it gets much better later in the year because, obviously, they get Iowa State, Oklahoma, and then they wrap up the year at in Stillwater. So, like, this is – this is an uber important game for Neil Brown. He's got to win this, I think, in order to, to, to try and reroute the narrative for this season. And the thing, too, is <laughs> I found this out recently. Neil Brown's got like a $17 million buyout. So, Interesting. Like, <laughs> so like, he should really be on a super, super hot seat considering how West Virginia's looked the last couple of years. But, um, is West Virginia going to find that money? Like West Virginia's best path out of this is to start playing better. And I guess in, in theory, that's a lot of schools best path out of that that's, situations. That's every school, but, best path but that's, that's really, really West Virginia's best path. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about this West Virginia offense too, is 
you know, Pitt's defense, meh, not really sure, right? They, they got stuck facing West Virginia week one, and they get Pitt, or excuse me, Tennessee week two. So it's kind of hard to judge exactly what Pitt's defense is. But I think it's fair to say that, you know, at least as of right now, Tech's defense may be one of the better ones they play all season. Um, so how does how does JT Daniels handle that? How does he handle uh, this defensive front, which, as Andrew mentioned earlier, has looked quite productive and looked very productive last week? I mean, CJ McRae was an absolute game wrecker. Um, I've liked what I've seen from Cole Nelson and limited opportunities. Taiwan Garbutt has uh, obviously been relatively solid for most of the season and had that big game against BC. Um, so this tech defense is, has to really, really put themselves on the map uh, in a couple nights. Um, if they can do that, then I do think tech has as good a shot at any as to win this game. But uh, Mike, I think you touched on it. If, you know, if West Virginia gets out to, you know, 10, nothing, 14, nothing, you know, either at the end of the first quarter or midway through the second quarter, <clears throat> it's going to be a tough road to hoe uh, in the second half. So getting off to a good start is extremely important, especially for the defense. Um, but yeah, this is a, this isn't as an important game for Brent Pry, obviously, because he's, you know, still in the rebuilding phase and, you know, most, most folks are not going to get too up in arms about losing this game, but Neil Brown goes back to Morgantown with a loss here. And all of a sudden, you know, pitchforks are going on sale. I mean, they're, I mean, if he loses this game, like West Virginia is going to be one in five going into the second week of October. Cause I don't think West Virginia is beating Texas. And I certainly don't think they're beating Baylor. Um, They'll be underdogs in both those games. Even the, the one against Baylor in Morgantown. Yeah. Even getting Baylor in Morgantown. Baylor and then they get Texas tech Baylor. after that, which, I mean, I know Texas tech just had kind of a poor showing at NC state, but they're not, you know, a scrub team. Beat a good Houston team two weeks ago in overtime. Like, and then again later they have to road trip to Ames, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then they get to host Oklahoma, which for all of their issues has, you know, still a decent chance to make the playoff. Yeah. So like, yeah, this is going to be a, a this is a tough season for Neil Brown, and he's really got to get this win. He's got yeah, to get I this mean, for any long, chance of bowl eligibility. Yeah. Long story short, you know, you need six wins to make a bowl game. Neil Brown probably on a personal level needs more than six wins Yes, to maintain job security for sure. They're favorites against tech. As we have spoken about here for the last few minutes, it is clear to see why West Virginia should be able to beat Virginia tech. The path is there. You can't beat us in a rivalry game. You're one in three. You're going to be one in five. You know, there's not four more games, five more games left this season where they're going to be favorites. Not in this version of the Big 12, man. There's some, there's some <laughs> teams playing football in the Big 12 this year. Like, I, yeah. Breaking news, Mike McDaniel, teams are playing football in the Big 12. <laughs> like, real football. <laughs> like, it's not just Baylor this year, right? Or Baylor and Oklahoma. Like, it's not just those two teams. Like, there are other teams playing football this year. In the Kansas Big is back. That's Kansas so Kansas is going to go over their season win total, I think, of like three and a half. They're going to clear that easily. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. West Virginia, they need this one bad. See Kansas being a favorite against Duke. The first time they've been a favorite against Power 5 team. 2009 i'm not sure i want to bet against mike elko right now Dude. I, have, I have i have completely changed my tune on the blue devils yeah elko's a good hire at least it looks like it so far it's it's early he was the, but uh, second choice for the brett pry job if it wasn't pry it would have been elko from what i've been told i believe it All right, gentlemen, ACC picks. You got anything else? Um, pretty sure this is a sellout, right? For, for Thursday. Is. Yeah. Oh, be so fun. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm certainly hoping we've got a really good turnout. I don't know what the weather is going to be like. Um, hopefully the weather's better than it was against BC, but 
even then tech fans turned out. And again, shout out to the fan base for turnout against Wofford, 11 a.m. kick. You know, there were very few sections of, of empty seats in that game. Um, so shout out to the fans for getting there early. Yeah, fans look like they made it past halftime in that one. <laughs> students didn't make it to the fourth quarter, but that's okay. Well, students didn't make it. Students didn't make it till the third quarter against Furman a couple of years ago. So, I mean, we're we're making steps in the right direction. That was a game that Tech was losing at halftime. Yeah, we oh, thought Tim God. Thomas was going to have a heart attack in the press box. I, I, we should just banish that game from our memories. How about that? That was painful. For yeah. the purpose of self hatred, we can't. Uh, all right, let's get it started, boys. I'm getting tired here. UVA, Syracuse, the Orange, three and zero. Now they got another very Syracuse esque Friday night game as ten point favorites against UVA team that has uh, is not the high flying offense that they once were. At least not so far. Something is amiss in in Whoville. Something's something's going on over there. Like they, Brent Armstrong's not playing good football. They're not moving the football very well on offense. Uh, meanwhile, Robert and I, who got jettisoned once uh, Bronco Mendenhall left, has turned Garrett Schrader into an absolute unit. Um, give me the orange to cover ten at home on a Friday night against a struggling UVA team. Absolutely. It's a lot of points. Go, but go, Dino, go. A lot of points. I like Syracuse, though, and it's because Syracuse's defense has been very good this year through three games. Very good. Um, they had a little bit of um, a little bit of a hiccup against Purdue in the fourth quarter, uh, but overall, they, they held Purdue's offense down for most of that game on Saturday. Game got wild at the end. Um, Purdue had like seven penalties in the final minute and a half that really shot themselves in the foot. So Syracuse could easily have lost that game against Purdue, but they didn't. And they have this game against Virginia, whose offensive line has been really, really bad and whose defense hasn't been much better. I really like Syracuse here. Yeah, I like Syracuse. I mean, you you look at UVA. We essentially, if you if you cut quotes from the press conference. Brandon Armstrong is like criticizing the style of offense that they're running, saying that there, there's no room for creativity in it, that everything's too calculated. It's a, this is a team, you know, just like Boston College, with a good quarterback, some defense, decent weapons, and a, you know, a poor offensive line. And that'll only get you so far. Uh, I thought that, as well as Syracuse have played against Louisville and UConn, that Vegas was being silly, having them as the favorites against Purdue, and I, I was wrong. I mean, Syracuse, for all intents and purposes, seems like the real deal, and that offensive coordinator, you know, a former UVA lord, seems to be the real deal as well. <laughs> Maybe they should have brought him to Tech. Yeah, when he's not calling uh, left tackle, you know, receiving plays, he's pretty good. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, next game on the docket here. Clemson at Wake. Clemson, a seven-point favorite against a Wake team that almost just lost to Liberty, but they came away with the dub. Yeah, Liberty's better than advertised. Um, Caden Salter, I think, is going to be a real problem come later in the year for Tech. Um, Wake Forest defense is uh, bad. Let's just let's just put it at that. Uh, Clemson road dog or road favorites. Go ahead and give me the Tigers to cover seven. Yeah, I like I like Clemson here too. I Wake Forest, their offense is really really good until they play like an SEC type defensive line, which is what Clemson has. And I I think Wake Forest offensive line is going to really struggle here in this game. Um, and, and I think Wake Forest defense is certainly bad. And Wake Wake is. Wake's got a good program. They got a good team, but they're no better than like a top 20 team in the country because of that defense. So, you know, give me Clemson here in the spot, despite the issues that they've had on offense. Um, uh, Yeah. I like the Tigers here. Yeah. Basically for all the reasons you just said, Mike, I mean, it's uh, as many issues as Clemson has offensively, 
the Wake Forest defense leaves a lot to be desired. Just more talent. I mean, you know, I'm not going to completely rule Wake Forest out of this game, but I feel like in the percentage of available outcomes, there's a lot more where Clemson runs away with it than the Wake Forest keeps it closer, actually wins. And for that reason, I'll go with the Tigers. Okay, next up here, where college game day should be going, Kansas hosts Duke. Duke hasn't lost to a Power 5 non-conference opponent in September 2017. Does that streak end in Lawrence, Mike? Kansas <laughs> nine-point favorites. I think Kansas wins, but I do like Duke to cover nine. That's a lot of points. Um, could Duke win the game outright, certainly, but Kansas has been really good, and not that Duke hasn't been. Duke's been good, too, but this is um, this feels like more of like a, a three- or four-point game to me, either direction, than a nine-point game, so give me Duke. Duke to cover, Kansas to win. Agreed. Agreed. And if, if Duke does pull this one out, then we're – we're having to talk Mike Elko for ACC Coach of the Year, at least early on. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. I will say it's probably already time to start sounding the alarms on <laughs> the possibility of Duke not being the layup win that we thought it was. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. Yeah. If they even cover against Kansas, like, ring the bell. I, I think Kansas is kind of the real deal. I mean, Houston's a good team. They beat them by 18 points. Yeah. Kick it's the piss an 18 out. point victory. Yeah. They blew them out. Like, I like Kansas to cover here, but if Duke can manage to cover, I'm worried. Uh, South Florida, Louisville here. Louisville, 13 and a half point favorites. The one and two Cardinals versus South Florida team that had the Florida Gators on the ropes, uh, but has all, have also won like four games combined in the last two years. So take that as you will. 13 and a half though like yeah I, i'm gonna go with the bulls to cover 13 and a half that just seemed i know that i know that malik cunningham is really good and i understand that you know louisville's got the ability to score points and bunches but 13 and a half seems like a lot for a team that's struggling uh so go ahead and give me the bulls to cover that I like South Florida here to cover as well. Like I, I saw enough against Florida to make me think that South Florida could ugly this game up. Louisville's got more play, more talented players. Florida had more talented players too. South Florida damn near won that game. I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm selling Louisville. Like I'm fully <laughs> in that boat. I'm. I'm selling the Cardinals. So I like the Bulls here. Cover. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. Uh, Satterfield, hot seat watch, uh, maybe an increasingly uh, viewed program as this season goes on. I have no confidence in Louisville from week to week. I haven't had really confidence in Louisville from week to week in years at this point. But 13 and a half is a lot. I watched a full game of South Florida where they looked respectable. So Louisville probably still wins, but give South Florida those points right there. I think that's a different story. Now, big news here. A big extension was signed. Middle Tennessee, on September 13th, signed Rick Stockstill to a multi-year extension. Some sort of trigger in his contract, apparently. Yes. Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, even if it's not that great. But... Oh, Miami, man. They're, the legend. they're 25 and a half point favorite. You know, just because Andrew informed us of that groundbreaking, like, world-changing news, I'm going to go ahead and take Middle Tennessee to cover 25 and a half. <laughs> so many points. You enjoy that. I, I am on Miami. <laughs> it's a lot of points, but whatever. Miami. It is a lot of points, but, I mean, how – I mean, Mike, you of all people, friends of Andrew Alex, so many points. member of the Hokie Hangover. I know. You ought to be ashamed of yourself that you could ever, ever be be so foolish to bet against Rick Stockstill. They are so bad, though. They're so <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going with this one. 
Yeah. <laughs> I do. You got you got a money line, baby. Plus we 9, don't even, We don't even need to know what Andrew's pick is because we already know. Yeah. All right. Notre Dame at UNC. Notre Dame, a point favorite on the road. Nationally televised game, ABC here. Carolina. Uh, yeah, I'm on Carolina also. I, Notre Dame's got some problems. Like this is some, a, some like severe problems for this year. Yeah. I, this is a game flow. I, you know, we talk about game flow, right? We just talked about with Tech and West Virginia, like the game that Notre Dame needs it to be. Like Notre Dame's defense has been pretty good, but are you going to hold that Carolina offense down for four quarters? Like, I'm not sure that they are, and I'm not sure how much Notre Dame can score right now. So I like Carolina. Yeah, give me Carolina, too. I mean, Notre Dame has just been the definition of uninspiring to this point. And though Carolina's defense can't stop, at least Nikki like Fawcett, like <laughs> Marshall and Cal are bad football teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marshall Marshall beat Notre Dame in South Bend and lost in overtime to Bowling Green the very next week. So, <laughs> like, that's not exactly like, – I like Charles Huff. I think he's a good coach. But that's not like a world-beater Marshall team in the Sun Belt. Fun Belt. Uh, yes, the Fun Belt. I like it. Fun Belt, baby. Yes. Moving along here, Georgia Tech, UCF. 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 Mike didn't even need to know the spread. UCF minus anything. This Georgia Tech team, there's a lot of quit in them. I was talking about this with Joey on my ACC podcast. A lot of quit. How is he feeling about it right now? Oh, dude, he's he's been so out on Collins for a while, and this <laughs> that game against Ole Miss, I, I recorded with uh, I recorded with him last night Sunday night, and he said, you know what, like we all knew what the outcome was going to be. This just kind of expedites the whole thing, and this felt like a Justin Fuente against Pittsburgh performance last year for the Jeff Collins era. So just it was funny watching uh, the huddle and watching those guys try and like come up with a way that Georgia Tech could keep that game close. And then, like, I looked at the game earlier, and it ended up being, like, what, 45 to what? Yeah, it was uh, it was 40, 42 zip, I think. Yeah. Something no, like the anyway. thing I'm actually most mad at myself about right now, of anything that's happened to me in the last year, is the fact that I didn't take every cent I had <laughs> and bet it on Ole Miss minus, like, 15 and a half or whatever it was. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was <laughs> no way that Georgia Tech was keeping that game close. Yeah, I – yeah, I mean, so I was, so are we all, all on the there. are we all on the Golden Knights here? Yes, yeah, yes, that's an easy one. Uh, UConn, NC State, NC State minus thirty eight and a half. NC State. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, give me UConn, and the reason why is because NC State has a little look ahead spot to Clemson in two weeks, and that NC State offense has been a little bit up and down. So UConn's terrible. NC State's going to win by a billion, but. I actually like UConn to cover here. I believe in Jim Mora. Give me the Huskies. Yeah, if NC State knows what's right for them, they won't keep the good players in long enough to win by 38, given what they have ahead of them. So give me the Huskies as well. Adam Lechtenberg, Director of Player Development. <laughs> UConn football. I feel like we've mentioned that like three times on the podcast. Yeah. I'll, keep, I'll keep mentioning yeah. it. TX2CT. Uh, <laughs> okay, last one before we pick tech here. TX2CT. <laughs> Boston College, Florida State, ACC Network in Tallahassee. Florida State, 16 and a half point favorites. Knowles. I really want to bet on BC here because, like, it, it's hard to believe that, like, it's that bad under Jeff Hathley. But this team looks like they're headed straight for one and three. Um, I know 16 and a half is a lot to cover, but I, I think the Knowles can do it against a really, really bad offense for BC. You can't uh, win with no offensive line. Yeah. Florida State can score. This game's going to get out of control. Give me the, uh, give me the Knowles. I think a lot of it depends on if Jordan Travis is going to play here too. Um, You're not yeah. a big Tate Rodemaker fan? He played our, I will say it took him a minute, but he settled in Friday night against Louisville, settled in, played well. 
but yeah, I, I'm on Florida State. Sorry, bold dramatic pause there. Florida State. So, <laughs> all right, last pick here, gentlemen. Thursday night, seven thirty, Black Diamond Trophy. Virginia Tech, two and a half point underdogs at home against West Virginia. Who do you like? Go ahead, Mike. I think I'm going with Virginia Tech here. Um, I just really like the way the Tech defense is playing right now. And I think at home on a Thursday night, sellout crowd, um, it's it's hard to win on Thursday nights in Blacksburg. I know Tech's had a lot of primetime night games that they've struggled in in recent years, but they haven't had a lot of primetime Thursday night games. And it's tough to go win in Blacksburg on a short week on a Thursday night in front of that crowd. Um, rivalry game. Virginia Tech very well could have won that game in Morgantown last year. And, you know, West Virginia is prone to turning the football over a little bit. I think this is the game where Virginia Tech gets a couple of them um, putting the offense in a short field situation. And I think Virginia Tech's offense is going to play a little bit better in this game against a porous West Virginia defense. So give me the Hokies. I think they get out to an early lead. I think they hold on. I think it's it's lower scoring. Um, give me Tech like 20 to 17. That's where I'm at. So we've been down this road before in some of these big primetime matchups where Tech faces a team and generally the team that they're facing is far more talented and, and you know, ranked more often than not. Um, <clears throat> and Tech usually gets clapped and that's always frustrating. Um, but West Virginia is not that good. Let's be honest. Like they're they're one and two. They lost a pit to open the season. I know Kansas has been kind of a revelation so far, but they they give up fifty five to Kansas. They're not that a good. program a program that yeah. couldn't find the end zone for the last three years. So this West Virginia defense has got some serious serious problems, and I know that Virginia Tech's offense has got their own issues to figure out. But if there was ever a week where Virginia Tech was going to pop up and score like 30 points, I think this is it. Um, West Virginia is reeling. <clears throat> I don't believe there's a lot of belief in Neil Brown in that locker room. So go ahead and give me Tech to win this game. Um, I'm going to go with uh, – we're going to go 31 to 24, Virginia Tech. I am going to go with West Virginia. Um, look, Virginia Tech's offense is like bottom five in power five by like every analytical measure. And yes, West Virginia's defense has been bad. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, they allowed all those points to Kansas and Kansas went and did the same thing to Houston. It was a good football program or at least supposed to be like old dominion, Boston college. And of course, Wofford haven't done anything to really inspire you that there's a lot to take away that like tech did something that someone else couldn't do. Like, I think the defense is legit, but West Virginia's offense is going to be far better than any offense they've seen so far. And I just don't know. Based on what I've seen for the last three weeks, I don't know if against a team with the speed and athleticism of West Virginia that Tech can, you know, put themselves in a situation where they're at no point having to play catch up. So things could go differently, and that would change my opinion and probably the opinions of many about what this offense is capable of or how good this defense truly is or some combination of the two, but until I see it, if I see it this week, it'd be huge. But if not, I'm. Uh, it's going to indicate that there are things to worry about in the month of October because I think that every team on the schedule in October better than West Virginia. Yep. ESPN's FPI gives West Virginia a 63% chance to win this football game, which 
seems rather high personally. Um, but no, the, to me, this is basically a pick 'em game. I, I think these two teams are relatively close in terms of win loss record at the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. Both fighting for a bowl game, except one coach is going to be around next year. And <laughs> and one is either going to be paid seventeen million not to coach, or he's going to be around next year too. I I think I think they're going to go ahead and buy him out because things are going to get pretty ugly as they get deeper into that schedule. Hell yeah, I'm here for it. Also, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, make sure you follow all the boys on Twitter. And um, yeah, glad to glad we could have all three of us back on the pod. It's 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 been good. Yes, we'll do it again next week. We'll figure it out. I'm well, less tired than it. I was when the podcast started, which is not good for my. Chances of falling asleep at a reasonable hour, but that's well, okay. It's we should it. have done it. We should have done it to preview Wofford. I was fully intent on joining you boys for that. I had set the Zoom up and hit record and everything. Then I had to step away because my child was screaming. You know, babies do that from time to time. Oh, rough day. Today, noble enough cause. <laughs> yeah, rough, rough day. I it just, I mean, I'm just not really seeing a scenario where you're telling your wife, like, what do you mean help? We got the Wofford preview. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was which, good. Which is, which is why you guys recorded that with just the two of you. <laughs> All right, babe, I can only imagine Kate's reaction to that. That would have been hilarious. Babe, take care of the baby yourself. We got the Wofford preview. <laughs> and you know what her response would be? The what preview? <laughs> yeah the whopper that and it yeah. might have sounded a little bit like a gfy yeah 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 well <laughs> i get that i get that on occasion yes <laughs> you no way all right let's quit while we're ahead folks main uh, street farm main street pharmacy hokey hangover podcast uh come to hokey house for the game if you want to hang out drink beer and i'll be there on the radio with espn blacksburg uh it's gonna be fun on Thursday. I'm excited. Should you know, be a really good win, lose, or draw. It's really gonna be really good. fun. It's gonna be a, a top tier level enter Sandman at minimum. Yeah, environment absolutely. will be Probably absolutely. one of the best environments in years. I don't know. North Carolina 2021 after the year off was uh, tough to beat, but this will be up there with it. And uh, you know, hopefully the Hokies can take it home and at least to some degree with the win over West Virginia that that momentum as a fan base and what you feel as a program. And it's kind of the last thing here. If Virginia Tech can pull this off, regardless of how good West Virginia is, it's a big win for Brent Pry in year one. It's a Hell very yeah. big win. Hang Black Diamond will be back. Huge win. Yep. You can hang your hat on it. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's hope for his sake and for all of our sakes and get that done. But enjoy the game, folks. Talk to you next week. Until then, go home. <laughs> Thank you.